Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Cue the dark and ominous music prior to the Sunday's scheduled recording time. The Coomster came down with a a rapid case of the Rona. It puts us it puts us in a dark place here on the pod. However, you all know that it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat, and we're back at it. Let's go. It's never great to get caught in a car, a car ride for 10 hours <laughs> with a rapidly uh, a rapidly coming on case of the uh, of the Rona. But we're here. It's only been a few days feeling great, feeling grand. Um, so it allowed me to both physically and emotionally recover from the experience on Saturday down in Fayetteville. Um, but, you know, we, we enjoyed this game in two different ways, Hummer. We, uh, you watched from afar up in New York City. I decided to uh, trek down to Arkansas with your brother. Hum, Hummer Jr. was on the, on the road trip with us, uh, our friend Lamar. And then we met up with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Boroff down in Arkansas, who's living in Little Rock and or just outside of and, and was our, our guide, our tour guide of sorts, our Sherpa uh, throughout our journey down in Arkansas and, and honestly showed us a great time. Had a, had a great few days there. Dixon Street became very familiar with it and uh, lots of memories were made, some from the football game, many outside of it. Um, but alas, I, I I digress. I digress. Well, let's let's start hot and heavy. I mean, we'll 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 obviously talk about Ken Kennesaw State here. That's that's why everybody's here it's for the breakdown of what will be Kennesaw State. Stay tuned. All right, you don't want to miss this this riveting breakdown we're going to have. But what was your experience at Arkansas like? Like, what is it like being amongst no better than at least fifth in the SEC conference at any given point. I didn't necessarily, I didn't really have any expectations going into it. I'm not one of these people who will just automatically shit on a Southern state because we don't know much about it or it's rural. Um, Fayetteville, you know, it's, it's gorgeous for one thing when you're driving through the Ozarks, gorgeous scenery, you get the Hills, um, it's good vibes heading into town. You get off often on rain and shout out to your brother for driving through that rain for us on our behalf while I um, took a, a tremendous nap in the back seat. But in terms of the city itself um, and, and kind of the experience around the, the University of Arkansas, uh, Dixon Street is, is pretty much where, where it's at. I guess if you're comparing it to the equivalent at UC, it's basically the combination of McMillan and Calhoun where you've got the the run of, of bars and restaurants and, uh, you know, a little nook for food trucks and things of that nature. It, it might be, it might be um, McMillan and Calhoun with a splash of like the banks is sort of how the vibe is for me. Uh, you've got a piano bar, you've got some, you know, some of the uh, sports bar type establishments with loud, live music. That is just, that's honestly, I'm going to say it. It was too loud. The music was too I loud. Imagine, I could I have imagine, conversation. I it could just be a sign of me being extremely old now and washed. But 
the music, JJ's, I'm looking at you, I'm talking to you. The music was too damn loud. Uh, first off, you guys made history at JJ's. A local Arkansasian apparently walked into the bar and said, what the hell are all these people doing from Cincinnati in the back bar? Uh, this is my bar, damn it. Uh, saw, saw that gem being passed around on, on Twitter's. That was fun. Did you play any piano while you were down there? I know you're you're keen for hopping behind the keyboard. No, no, no piano. We were it was a very very quick stop in the piano bar. Not not ultimately what what our scene was all about. Um, but yeah, the ambiance was nice. They have actually this incredible street court for basketball that wasn't open that I wish was because it was gorgeous. It was decorated with like different art and uh, chain uh, basketball nets, which I just personally have an affinity for. That was pretty cool, but I did not get to actually see it used. And it was locked at the time of night that I attempted to go into it. But yeah, Bearcat, the Bearcat fan base did take over JJ's and it became the the watering hole, the local watering hole for anybody from out of town who traveled in town to watch the Bearcats invade um, the University of Arkansas. That is basically that became the hub for Bearcat fans alike. So definitely spend some time there, especially that first night on Friday night. Um, we ended up in there for a little bit of time afterward, watching the end of that Florida and Utah game. Otherwise, you know, we popped around some other establishments. The first drink I had in Arkansas was a, uh, I think it was a jug, a jug of something called, uh, God, it was, it was red. It reminded me of a hurricane from, uh, from new Orleans, but it was an extremely aggressive way to start the trip. It was, it was very aggressive. Blasphemy. It just was. Do not talk about hurricanes. Do not talk about Mr. O'Brien's. All right. Don't do it. The people were nice. You know, the, a lot of the Arkansas people we saw before the game were cordial and were excited to see some Bearcat fans and seemed to be uh, excited about the opportunity to play us on their, on their non-conference schedule. It, it didn't strike me as a, as a fan base that was overzealous about their, their standing in the world of college football. You know, when we got to the Airbnb and, and saw Borov, he was giving us some back background about the university and their fan base. And he, he was in, in, a, in a tone that was slightly disrespectful to our fan base and our and our programs was actually comparing them in the sense that a lot of success, a lot of wins. You know, they're one of the winning, winningest programs in baseball history, for example. Um, obviously, the expectations are sky high in football. They're well funded. They've got the, the backing of the Walmart family, the Walton family. And so you would think, you know, this is a team that could see national, you know, prominence in all three major sports. Um, but unfortunately for them, they choke and they, and they tend to co- come up short and their fan base sort of knows that they have this history and they have this uh, shortcoming. And he was saying this while comparing it to UC, which did sadden me. But then when you really think about it, our fan base has some of that same baggage where we do worry about losing the big games and we always have this sinking feeling that it's not going to work out for us that definitely came across in my uh, through my interactions with the fan base around town while sharing drinks look i don't i don't claim to be a historian of arkansas football uh, but for as long as they've been in the sec as a conference in football they have never won the conference championship right I could see, and they've never, they haven't won a national championship. So for, for all the cheers that you get with the fan base of SEC schools, SEC, SEC, 
so proud to be in a conference they've, they've never won. Uh, and when you talk about Cincinnati, like I, I get it. Yeah. The big game that we say we never, we've never won. You know, we, we definitely have that feeling at times, but last year it felt different. You know, last year it hit harder winning that big game, winning that game against, you know, the marquee game against Notre Dame uh, at, at Notre Dame, something that not many schools, you know, get to get to put on their list of accomplishments. Uh, but we've also won our conferences. We've won, you know, the big East first big East de facto championship game uh, back when the conference, that conference was, was pretty decent in football, but I, I'm, I get it. All right, whatever. We might have a little bit of little brother syndrome around here, uh, but who cares? No, I'm not. I mean, there's nothing to get necessarily upset about. I mean, in terms of modern college football, I am getting upset. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's calling me a little brother. I, I was slightly distracted while you went on your solilo- soliloquy poking there. My ego. He's poking well, my ego. I was. Are we sure Arkansas hasn't won a conference championship in football? They've won four division championships and advanced to the uh, championship game three times and are zero and three in those appearances. Okay, and so all of their previous conference championships are when they were in the Southwest Conference. The Correct. SEC Western Division. Right. But prior to that, you see conference championships dating back to like 1936, 1946, all the way up to 1979 with Lou Holtz, 89 with Ken Hatfield. That was all under the banner of the Southwest Conference, though, not the SEC. Oh, fair. I mean, fair, but I'm, no, I'm, I'm validating what you're saying. Like, I'm no okay. SEC championships. Yeah. I mean, even if even if I was wrong about that, I wouldn't care. Um, I'll but stop. the other thing, the other thing, too, like you, we you briefly mentioned we tried not to talk about this for four days on the way out you said the the shit talking was kind of like lackluster well we yeah but let's get into it in terms of let's talk about the game and we well, can get back lead into this this is my way of leading you into talking about the game we can well there's Just so much there, there's trust so many there's there. so many no for sure i'm not i'm not doubting you i believe you there's a reason why they weren't shit talking us because they couldn't they didn't really beat us Right. And so let's ho- let's hold off on that, because I still want to t- tell you a little bit more about this experience. There's yeah. a few things. There's a few things and a few shout outs that I at least want to make sure I'm getting to just about getting into the stadium. Um, our boy Tonk, everybody's boy Tonk. He's a he's a Bearcat celebrity uh, fan of sorts. Celebrity might be generous, uh, but he set up a, a tailgate group that, that we invited ourselves into just to find out where people that were Bearcat fans were going to be tailgating. So uh, shout out to Danco Joe, whose tailgate we did pop in at briefly uh, to enjoy a few beverages. We stopped by there. Anybody in that chat would know you're not allowed mentioning anything else in that chat other than tailgate information. That is nothing else is to be spoken of in that chat. That is until today when talk needed to sell some tickets. <laughs> and I just, I just thought that was hilarious that you cannot say anything in here until I need to sell tickets. Um, but alas, we, we started at, at Danco Joe's tailgate where we um, met some actual listeners of the podcast, which was nice. Shout out to Clint, uh, a few of the other guys. Look, guys, I'm not going to remember everyone's name. 
hung around there. Um, a lot of the players' Long parents, COVID. I guess, were floating it's, it's around. As, as part of that COVID brain, COVID brain whatever they call it, fog. Something's happening. Um, and then we just started venturing around this tailgate area, which wasn't as much of a tailgate area as it was a place that people pay to park their RVs. So it seems to be well-off folks who come from out of town, park their RVs. This is their, where they will be spending their nights. They then go to the hill right by the stadium to do most of their tailgating. But there was a gentleman uh, by the name of, and I, I have to make sure I get this right because he was easily, easily my favorite, uh, my favorite Arkansas fan. I, I believe his name was Big Ray. He, he had his he had his RV out. You're saying that like you're asking me like I. Yeah, was <laughs> I know. I'm almost I'm almost trying to like, sp- like spike the memory, but. The problem was he was he was generously sharing his moonshine. And so I don't remember much about what we were talking about necessarily. But Big Ray's tailgate was a was a friendly spot where you have these two nice hunting dogs chained up on two and a half foot uh, leashes, which was just made me a little uncomfortable. They didn't look happy. Um, It it was certainly a a choice, Uh, but we were there with Big Ray talking about Arkansas football, talking about his expectations for the game. He kind of invited us in, uh, shared two different variations of his of his moonshine, which may have just been peach flavored Everclear. Regardless, it tasted delicious and it got us well on our way to having a good time uh, at the game. But um, Big Ray was certainly a standout performer. And I'll make sure I'm sharing a, a photo of his from the tailgate. Uh, certainly a character. I think I actually already posted on Twitter. Big Ray was was awesome and the moonshine was flowing at his spot. But we then take this bus over to the hill. Got about 30 minutes to kill there. Your brother does a shotgun in front of the stadium. Um, crushed it. Did a Sounds great job. Right. Yep. Borrowed some keys from a couple local babes in the area. Or maybe the babes' boyfriends. I don't know. That, that part, I don't know if it was as suave as maybe he wanted it to be. Regardless, crushes the shotgun. And then <laughs> chaos ensues because we, we get in line by the hog statue, which is this incredible... You know, we have the Bearcat statue with the, the menacing Bearcat in front of Fifth Third Arena. The Hogs statue is in front of their football field, Razorback Stadium. And it's like three to four ferocious feral pigs as you walk into the stadium and walk by that. And then it just becomes this mishmash of humans, sweaty, uh, upset, slightly drunk, all trying to make their way into the stadium. And there seems to be essentially no order or, or control from the game day operations staff of, of Arkansas. So we're slowly and methodically making our way into the stadium. Um, start talking to a couple who's the father is a Bearcat alumni. The mother isn't. She, I think is an Alabama fan, but they're in Arkansas who, because their daughter is on a college visit wearing an Arkansas shirt. Like the whole thing was kind of funny and random and this girl just seemed, you know, intent on, on going south of the Ohio River and taking her talents to an SEC school. That's that's what she wanted to do. But it was nice meeting them. They were extremely nice people. We finally get to the place where you would, uh, I guess, go through security, go through the metal detectors. And basically the, the father, the old father who we made friends with, big dad energied his way into the front of the line, took us in. We get through the metal detectors. All seems to be going okay. But as we're doing that, there's another couple of young gentlemen beside us who 
kind of, you know, we push their way through as well. We're doing this. Like we're also sort of quote unquote cutting the line just by being a little bit aggressive and getting through the metal detectors. They are doing the same thing. Uh, we make our way to then the ticket entrance and it appears they decided to do the, the scanning of the tickets in the bright sunlight, which was causing it to not work very well. So everything was moving exceptionally slow and people were getting very frustrated. And the two young gentlemen who happened to be uh, uh, African-American walked by and, and even more aggressively pushed their way to the front, which upset a gentleman, an Arkansas gentleman in front of us. And he just started barking at him nonstop, just just talking mess and saying they're cutting. And and the point that everybody was making was like, buddy, everybody's kind of cutting in some way, shape or form. It's a mess here. It's an absolute mess. And uh, sure enough, uh, believe it or not, things actually continued to escalate um, despite the efforts uh, to mediate from our friend Boroff. He did he did make mediation efforts. And shortly after he became uh, involved in the situation, punches were exchanged. Punches were flying old man. And this guy was 50, 55 years old, just absolutely embarrassing his wife. She was incredibly embarrassed. Um, he is, he seemed ashamed too. Once the punch that he received back, Boroff clarified this for me. It was not to the face. It was just to like the solar plex, like a chest punch, but it had sound to it. Just like a, uh-uh. a thump, oh. you know, just like a hard thump right to the solar plex that seemed to just evaporate the tension. They both, the, the young guys essentially got through, got their ticket scanned, got in the, into the game. They were both clearly still upset, rightfully so. I mean, you just got in, punches were thrown. And by, and by the way, the older gentleman threw the first punch. Um, but the older guy's still fuming and he just start, starts just taking photos of their faces. Um, everybody's looking around like, what the hell just happened? But the remarkable part was nothing ended up happening. Both of them went on their way, scanned their tickets, got in the stadium, and here we are to see a football game uh, after a delayed few minutes and a few fisticuffs exchanged. Not sure what the point of the story is, other than, than to say the game day operations were catastrophically bad for Arkansas. It honestly exacerbated the, the situation, made it a more dangerous situation for fans because people were getting ornery, because people were already drunk. That part was was a nightmare. And I don't know if it's the first game jitters for Arkansas or what, but that was that was a uh, a poor and could have been worse situation for everybody involved. Well, we're sure happy that you, you made it safe. I guess <laughs> you're safe. Uh, well, on that. Oh note, yeah. By, just... by the way, by the way, the reason I interjected race is because the guy, old guy did seem like a racist fuck. All right. I'm not, I don't know all the, all the specific language. I'm not going to get into it. The guy was an old racist fuck and we're just going to leave it at that. Well, on that note, let's let's get into what actually happened in this game. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> let's talk football. Can we talk about the elephant in the room first? Please. 26 of 43. I, I I've I've had a few days to think about this, right? So and I'm not mad. Like it's honestly weird. Like we lost this game, and I'm less mad than say like the Alabama game, which like Alabama is probably more talented right bigger faster stronger in every every sense of the word whatever different different stratosphere of team different different stratosphere team but what was what what's frustrating to me is like i start getting on twitter or i get to the internet anywhere on the internet where they're talking college sports and 
you do what any rational sports fan does when they're upset. You go online, social media, and and find an outlet to vent. Well, I and I see like people trying to to like kind of talk, walk back the the anger by saying things like, you know, well, it was the first game. Oh, you know, his his Ben Bryant's accuracy issues were probably because it, oh, it was just the first game, just the first game. Okay, I'm not sitting here. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm I'm not saying Ben 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 Bryant first game, but what I am saying is, was he not throwing the football all summer? Was he not throwing the football all last year? We missed so many wide open receivers that an underthrown ball would have resulted in either being in scoring position or an actual touchdown. This could have been a blowout. How it, had he connected on two of the six downfield balls that he missed on? This was atrocious. Like from the from a quarterback play perspective, it was one of the worst things. Like it was, my eyeballs were bleeding watching this. Well, what this game did is it gave confirmation of what was rumored for the last few weeks, which was that Ben Bryant was going to be the quote unquote starter for the football team. What we didn't necessarily have an understanding of was: does that mean Evan Prater is not playing? Does that mean that they're creating like special units or packages where? Prater gets involved or is Ben Bryant the uh, hand the keys to this quarterback? He's going to take us to the promised land starter of the football team. And what we learned in this game is Ben Bryant is the quarterback of this team. There was no special package for Prater. This is not going to be any sort of shared duty situation like you saw with Notre Dame and Brian Kelly last year. Luke Fickle, Gino Gadouli, they've decided and made the decision that that the best quarterback option for the Bearcats football team is Ben Bryant. Now, after watching his performance against Arkansas, which was certainly an imperfect performance, and if you look statistically, like if you just flash the stats on screen and say Ben Bryant was through for 325 yards and two tutties and an interception, you would say on the road in Arkansas in the SEC, on its face, people would say that's not that bad. I, I really think people would say that. But I think when you watch, when you watch the game, and, and watch the plays and see how they played out, and and look at the completion percentage of twenty six and forty three, I think it paints a different picture. You know, I I came away mostly frustrated. I thought his his first half was abysmal. His first half was he looked unplayable with how inaccurate he was, and and how shook he looked after the interception on the opening drive. And the interception throw was just brutal. It was one that you knew the minute it left his hands, it was getting picked. Like as, watching it on TV, as soon as he threw the ball, there was an audible between Cam and myself going, <gasps> like, oh no, like, you know, you just threw across your body on a slow ball to the far like, side, to the far side. And yeah, but one thing I, I'll, I'll say, well, and can I, can I was, say too, we were, we were just getting in the stadium on that first drive. Um, we had stopped our, we got in the, in the stadium as we were stopping Arkansas and forcing a punt. We take over the ball. Their fan base is going nuts. The stadium is electric. The crowd is on fire. And then we have these clever, quick plays that are getting yards, chunks at a time. And you hear the crowd getting softer and softer and softer. And it was right before that interception that essentially they sounded shook. The stadium already sounded kind of like, Jesus, we're just going to let the Bearcats with the new quarterback, uh, new offensive coordinator, we're just going to let him go straight down the field, score a touchdown, opening drive. 
and then bang pick. Well, honestly, I thought it was a pick six when he threw it. Somehow it wasn't, but a pick six esque interception was thrown and everything changed. I mean, there's one thing I guess I'm going to try to like put in perspective because I don't like the, I just don't like the excuse that it's the first game, right? You've been practicing all, all year. You, you were a starter last year. It makes me wonder what is up with Evan Prater and go like, is there something that, that we're not being told? How close of a battle was it in camp where, you know, Ben Bryan also kind of showed not only is the, is the accuracy downfield obviously an issue, but he's, you can see how slow he is. He has a hard time escaping. And if you don't have, in my opinion, my amateur opinion, the the downfield accuracy there and you're going to have to play a more pocket style qb you're you're really limiting yourself with what what you can do and we saw that against arkansas we saw screens we saw short out throws right and and we tried and we tried to run the ball that those were those were basically the plays where we're running the ball through short catches and yes it was effective to the sense that we moved the ball downfield but anytime we tried to take a shot it became a detriment if they got pressure on us, he couldn't get away. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in that Ben Bryant starting, it's not so much what it says about him, it's what it says about Evan Prater. You know, Ben Bryant, and I agree fully on, we're evaluating him as a quarterback who's starting for a top 25 football team, right? Like there's no, you don't get the benefit of the doubt because it's the first game. This is a very experienced quarterback who was with this program for multiple years, transferred to a situation where he would then get more playing time. And and now is back with our team because he has the experience edge on a player like Evan Prater. We're playing him because of the experience and the predictability and the fact that the coaching staff can rely on him. And and honestly, like if you look at his decision-making, he oftentimes was making the right decision. Interception, be, you know, interception removed. That's totally Other, fair. That's he was fair. typically throwing to an open receiver. He was typically making throws on time. He just wasn't executing. I think there's an execution limitation or at best an inconsistency that is going to be attached to Ben Bryant throughout the season. But that type of quarterback winning the competition over a quarterback with the profile of Evan Prater, who we know brings to the table explosive running we know he brings to the table an option and an element of being able to scramble when the play breaks down or to build in designed running plays for a quarterback who can move he he got in this game for one play because ben bryant's helmet popped off it immediately he jumped off the page with how quick he is and how how easily he can make plays happen with his feet and let's let's make sure that let's all be fully aware that when you're running a package, like let's say in the game, his and Bryant's helmet doesn't pop off, and you're bringing Prater in nine out of ten times, you know it's going to be a designed run. I'm sure Arkansas knew that that was going to be a designed run, and he still popped off for the on his lone carry eight yards. All but I'm his with his, here, his passing must be bad. Like just to put yeah. it bluntly, his passing just they must Something not trust to. it. And I think based on based on the whispers, you know, it, it sounds like there's, it's a combination of accuracy or inaccuracy 
and strength, arm strength. And the combination of not having a super strong arm with being inaccurate or more inaccurate than Ben Bryant, that's a rough combination. And I'm not questioning the decision from Luke Fickle and his staff. I think they're, we, we trusted the decision when it was Des Ritter over Ben Bryant. I trust the decision when it's Ben Bryant over Evan Prater, but it does, it's kind of re it's shaping how I think about Evan Prater and the prospects of him being our starter going forward. Like if he couldn't beat out Ben Bryant, who's going to be a, a pretty average college quarterback, we're not going to get anything special from him this season. Um, at least in, in games like this, high leverage situations, if he couldn't win that competition, it doesn't bode well in terms of how high his ceiling might be in the future, in my opinion. I, I, I guess I'm going to try to make maybe a little, a little shining light. And it has really nothing to do with, with the race. Like, all right, we do play in our league that we play in. Our next game is Kennesaw state. I don't even think there is a spread. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's a team that kind of, this is last year, what, who did we play? Murray State. We're supposed to come in here and, and trounce them, you know, 40, 40 something to nothing. Uh, like to see him, like to see him hit some games there. But at the end of the day, the Bearcats has to make a New Year's Six bowl game more than likely are, are going to have to go undefeated from here on out. Uh, when, when the conference go undefeated, it's definitely doable. Uh, but I don't think it's a given. I've heard a lot of a lot of people saying like, "Oh, you know, well, after this game and looking at what the rest of the league did, you know, this this is a it's a lock that we're going to win it." Days like today, we have huge huge question marks on this team. Ben Bryant being one of them, and the other one being our god awful kicking game again. Jeez, special um, teams was brutal. Brutal. Well, not special I'm, teams at all, but the the kicking game. Punting was exceptional. What we saw from Fletcher was extraordinary, but what we saw from our kicker, who was wasn't my wasn't my uh, on the preview episode we did with Joe, and Joe asked us, or maybe what it was you, worry, right? Who's the who's the one guy you're most excited to see? And I facetiously said the kicker because I'm excited to see competent kicking again from a Cincinnati Bearcat kicker. Boy, was I wrong? Boy, did I jinx that? <laughs> I mean, look, we are, he makes two field goals. It's a one point game, but there's a lot of things that happen in this game that actually, I think that was a safety personally, in my opinion. I don't know if someone can explain to me the rules on that, but to me, it looked like the quarterback was carrying his own momentum into the end zone and was not dragged that way. Um, whatever. We still pick up the ball on, uh, I don't know if it was that drive or a future drive. We picked up the ball on the three yard line and we promptly had, I don't know, a couple of delayed games, a couple of false starts. We ended up basically first and goal from like the 25 yard line at, and that is where a combination of, of players who are executing it, but we've had these issues in the past. We've had these issues with false starts in the past. That's a sign of an undisciplined team. The penalties were, in the second half in particular, I think at halftime, we only had two penalties called in the, in the second half. When we get that fortuitous fumble recovery from Arkansas, I think it was on the three yard line. Correct me if I'm wrong. Cause when you're watching live, it's hard to remember where everything is. It was two or three. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, we never got close to it again. We responded to that with like <laughs> four false starts. 
it was shocking offense and, and just completely, we got all the momentum. The Arkansas crowd responded well by getting extremely loud and we folded. We just folded like a cheap tent, didn't execute. And because of it, it cost us, I mean, it should have been seven. Like that should have been seven points on the board right there. Now, before and after that in the second half, we, we should mention, I think, I just want to put a bow on the Ben Bryant conversation. It's pretty clear he's got a good arm and that he is going to be able to complete some throws. Arkansas secondary. He, he, he was not over. He was not under throwing guys. He was right. overthrowing them by a, by a wide margin. This speaks volumes to a combination of our play calling from Gino and also the talent that we have on the outside with Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Josh Wiley, Janon Thompson. They could not cover our guys. So all this talk about SE speed, SEC athleticism, we're running all open all over the field. We had the more explosive athletes when you compare our offense to their defense. We were all over them. The opportunities were there to make throws, hit throws down the field, and win this game by two touchdowns, in my opinion. Like, I think a few things break our way. We, we execute a little better in a couple spots, and we've got them on the ropes, and it puts our defense in a much more advantageous position to force Jefferson to make more throws. And if he had to make more throws, more difficult throws, and we get to pin our ears back and get after him, I think it's a different game. All that is to say is that you're going to see moments of brilliance from Ben Bryant with big throws downfield to explosive wide receivers. I think you're also going to see, this isn't going to be the last time that he goes a half where he can't complete a pass. This is going to be part of the Ben Bryant experience is the inconsistency. And so it puts more and more pressure on your running game, puts, it puts a shit ton of more pressure on your defense and your special teams. Defense likely can deliver. Special teams, I wouldn't bank on it. You mentioned it before. Good stat lines. You would think this is a great game. It's the, it was the completion ratio that kills us there. There is one really good bright spot in that we have an Alvin Kamara on this team. We have a running back who's catching passes, getting, getting yards, and he's rushing the ball, and he's averaging 8.8 .8 yards per carry. An absolute stud is going to emerge from Charles McClellan, the Cincinnati Alvin Kamara. Chuck. The, the, catch run, the catch passing running back who's pounding the ball for 8.8 .8 yards a carry on the other side. I was, I was surprised by his performance. Uh, but, like, we can't, I guess we can't really put a, a, thing, a, a bow too much on the Ben Bryan experience here because he, he still did throw for – 325 yards we threw for a lot he had a lot of there were a lot of missed passes you know a couple more of those passes go our way and they're caught it's another com it's a completely different ball game so this game in my opinion went down as a loss but was so close to actually being a blowout in favor of the bearcats like it was it was closer to going the other direction because a lot of those a lot of the points that arkansas scored were also off the backs of some of these turnovers of some of these big defensive stops, you know, from the goal line perspective and momentum's not a real stat, but sometimes you get the crowd behind you and you can go out and do amazing things on a, on a home field. I think there's a lot of things that they break our way 
the score is a little lower on Arkansas side. It's a little higher on the Bearcats side. Uh, one thing that was a little. You're, you're basically saying this is true. We lost by seven points. And you were 100% correct in saying that the Bearcats were closer to blowing out Arkansas than Arkansas was to blowing out the Bearcats. Yeah. I'm not sure. Someone quoted Luke Fickle, and it was, it's a beautiful reference when Luke Fickle talks about playing the likes of Georgia and, and Alabama and teams who are truly, you know, more talented than the Bearcats, because you can't dispute those are the two most, those are the beacons right now in college football in terms of talent. And he'll always say, it's not always the better team that wins. It's the team that plays better. I truly walk out of that game thinking we're the better team, but we certainly did not play better. 100%. And that's, that's the moral of the story is I think we were definitely the better team. I definitely think we can go undefeated. I definitely think we can make a New Year's Six Bowl, bowl game. The margin just got as thin as last year, though. And we all know how hard perfection is. So it just it's going to be that much tougher going down the road. We still have a target on our backs. We know that the likes of Houston, UCF, SMU, these schools want to beat us. Everybody wants to beat us. They're going to give us their best shot every single game because they know we have the best defense in the league. I, I, I Even though I guess the 450-some-odd yards of offense we gave up against Arkansas doesn't really show that, um, I, I, think, I think we showed up. It wasn't our, it certainly is not going to be our best defensive performance of the year. Um, it didn't, there was too often we were lead, we kind of gave them very easy completions to make. And I thought that for a quarterback like KJ Jefferson, um, you need to make him complete more difficult throws. It's also pretty clear to me that there's still a lot of talent defensively. You know, sometimes there's being completions, but we're right there to make the tackle right after it's completed. I know that can sometimes be uh, – it's not as clear as, like, we were a second away from making a play, but I honestly think that we have have enough playmakers on this defense against the schedule we're going to play to wreak havoc. And I think that defensively, Fickle and Tressel are going to get this team where it needs to be to compete game in, game out. And and offensively, we've just got so many game breakers. I'm glad you shouted out McClellan. Corey Kiner looked all the bit – deserving of the hype really just jumped off the page. The minute he got on the field coming from someone who had cheap seats. um, It was, it was difficult to tell number wise who was in the game at any given time. But with, at some point you, I had seen kinder enough without being able to see his number to know it was him on the field. He moved different. He read the holes differently. He was more decisive. Like that guy is going to be impossible to keep off the field but it's so nice to know you've got McClellan who's such a great option out of the backfield proving from, and, and how good is it to see for someone like him who's torn his ACL twice in his career coming back and still being that explosive and that effective on the field. So we've, we've said it and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but offensively I'm actually have very little concern in terms of all the playmakers we have. And I think we knew that coming in and we expected it. Now do we have, do we have the quarterback do we have, is the head of the snake? 325. 325 yards on 26 completions. All right. Complete a few more of those passes. We're talking 400 yards passing. Like that was not out of the question that this, that Ben Bryant would could have thrown for 400 yards against this defense. Had one of those, one of those deep ones connected legitimately are talking about a 400 yard passing performance 
from Ben Bryant. So like there's going to be some monster games, especially if this is the game plan. It's really difficult to, to stop those short routes when the quarterback's being accurate and timing the ball, timing the ball well on those out routes. It's very, very hard. And he does, you are right. He does have the arm strength to complete those balls. So I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I am encouraged by the offense. Especially if you think about the second half offense versus the first half, the, the first half offense was anemic and it looked helpless and it looked like, holy shit, we're in for a long year. The second half offense was a taste of best case. This is what this could look like. And it looks pretty damn good. So we sound harsh. And it's because, in my opinion, we didn't win a game that was extremely winnable on the road against an SEC team. And I, I know we got the Notre Dame win last year. I'm desperate for a non-Notre Dame win against an opponent like this, right? I don't respect Notre Dame that much. I tend to think that Notre Dame is a bigger brand than they are a quality football team. And I know it was big for the program. It meant a lot. And we leveraged that win into a playoff berth, berth last year. And I'm glad we did, but I want to go against the conference that's respected the most, the SEC, and I want to go beat them, and I want to beat their best. You know, Alabama is is probably biting off more than we can chew right now, but we had Georgia two years ago, and we didn't close that game, and we should have had Arkansas, and we didn't close that game. It's probably going too far to say we can't close big games, given the Notre Dame win, but I'm just saying, got to start winning some of these types of games. I'm going to use this as a perfect transition tra- transition to a different topic here because we're going to get a lot of opportunities in the future to beat SEC, Big Ten. We're, we're going to get the opportunity. We're moving to the Big 12. Our, our Lord and Savior, Brett Yormack, is not sitting quietly. He's out there making moves, trying to get the TV deal renegotiated, trying to poach uh, and break apart the Big 12 on his own or the Pac-12 on his own. But more importantly, the big news, I believe it was this weekend or Monday, Tuesday, I don't remember what day, but the college football heads that be have voted to expand the playoff to 12 teams. Big news indeed. Big news indeed. We're moving to the conference. I think some someone already went, some talking head already went and picked the Bearcats to be the Big 12 Conference champions in 2024. Hell yeah. First year of these of this playoff format. Well, isn't the playoff 2026? Uh, they're trying to uh, that's official that like that's if nothing happens, but I think they're trying to push it up further. Okay. Um, and who knows, they might use this as leverage in negotiating getting Texas and OU out of the Big 12, which I think is part of the reason why Brett went and tried and opened re- negotiations up for the TV contract early was to be able to you know, use that as leverage, get a higher dollar number, be able to grab some of those, those Pac-12 schools to come our way. You're smarter than me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this question to you. The college football playoff expands to a 12-team format. They do this while we see two conferences in particular acquiring as many assets as possible. In the SEC, they're adding Texas and Oklahoma. In the Big Ten, they're adding UCLA and USC. So you see more traditional college football powers accumulating in two specific regions, two two specific conferences. And while that's happening, the playoff committee approves an expansion model that would allow the top six, 
the top six highest ranked conference champions and the highest six at large to make the college football playoff. Do I have that right? I haven't seen the actual proposal for if it's the top six conference champions. Early, early reports is how that was reading. And that seemed to contradict what's happening with college football in terms of conference realignment, which is good news for the likes of the big 12 and good news for the likes of the ACC and the PAC 12. I'm just wondering if there's another shoe to drop or if additional reporting has been done because doesn't, do you have the same question in your head? Like, doesn't that seem to contradict a, a monopolization by the sec and big 10 and maybe two other conferences? Cause it seemed like we were moving to a more power four format instead we're moving to it's, it's staying at six conferences, which would be great for, I mean, that, that opens the door for G5 and, and the AC, AAC. Um, it just, I, that's not what I would have, would have expected. The, it's so the report I'm reading is the four highest ranked conference championships champions will be seated one through four with each receiving a first round by team seated five through 12 will play each other in the first round on either the second or third weekend of December. It doesn't really say I'm trying to just figure out what, what, what is the qualifications for getting in? Um, Cause from my, I, I've, you know, catching people's here and there's comments. One of them thinks that, that this was the way it's set up. It's designed is that it's going to kind of force Notre Dame's hand into joining a conference that they could be impossible for them to receive a first round buy because they're not, they're not in a conference. Um, No, that's, I mean, (laughs) that makes sense to me. I think that Notre Dame is a huge chess piece that they're trying to get off the board and get to commit one way or the other. I also know that as easily as, as they changed the playoff to 12, I'm sure there's additional tweaks and qualifications and methodologies that are easier to tweak in the future. Um, but I was, I, that was certainly something that caught my eye because when evaluate, if that was the proposal, let's say I'm right. And that it's the top six highest ranked conference champions that ensures that you're going to see G five programs get in. It also means it means the pathway for the Bearcats to make the playoff became much, much easier and much more attainable than, than it previously has been. And when we heard about 12 team expansion in the American athletic conference, um, financially, it obviously made a ton of sense to get out of that conference regardless, because the big 12 is going to be much more of a windfall for our athletics programs. But from a pathway to the playoff perspective, we sort of knew that, Hey, like you could actually make the playoff a lot easier in a conference like this if you're dominating year in, year out. Increasing the competition makes that a little more challenging, but you know, it seems like a more desirable pathway to be in the Big 12 than the SEC if you're if you're not Alabama or Georgia or a program that just has so many more resources and such more ta- so much more talent than everybody else in college football. Yeah, you're right. It's the sixth highest ranked conference champions, top four, getting the the nod for the first round by everybody else playing each other. You know, in the end, this comes back. We talked about this before the Bearcats joined the Big 12. Uh, you know, when there was talk about playoff expansion and how this would inevitably kind of just maybe lead to a, 
all top, you know, rising tide, a rising tide raises all ships or whatever. You know, we joked about should we stay in the uh, should we stay in the the AAC because it's an easier path to the playoff. Well, no, we're going to get more money through being in the Big Twelve. You're going to have to. It might be harder to get there, but the procedure is going to. We're going to get better recruits when we get there. We're going to be more ready, right? If you're getting the, it happens to be, you know, the the MAC champion happens to to be ranked number 19, right, in the country, and they're and they're sitting there in the in the sixth seed in the playoff, and they're they're going to go up against an at-large Georgia, right? They're going to get they're probably going to get bullied, smacked around. It's just that's how it's going to work. Right. But I don't think that's going to be the case if you're flipping it around and you're playing an at large from some of the bigger conferences with more resources, more money, getting better recruits, bigger players, all that kind of stuff. I think I think we're going to be more ready. But I think we're already seeing, you know, Luke Fickle and, and Co. doing a great job recruiting. But I think that's also they've been able to tell a really good story. There's a really good story about coming to Cincinnati right now. One, the coaching staff never been hired, the facilities is great. Oh, and by the way, we're moving to a prestige conference where we're going to get to play, you know, the likes of Oklahoma State. We're going to get to play Baylor. We're going to get to play, you know, all over all over the country. We're going to play West Virginia. We're going to have a big rivalry with West Virginia again, right? So all all the story that they get to tell is going to be so great. So we're already kind of seeing that. Um, it is going to hurt Notre Dame. Notre Dame, if they don't join a conference, can't get a first round by ever in a playoff. That will be interesting to see how that plays out for them and how that ultimately affects the likes of the Big 12 with the with Notre Dame if they were to join, say, the Big 10. If the money's right, they probably are never going to care that much. Because they do they how badly do they really want that national championship? I don't how, I don't think that matters as much as the at the actual prestige of the program, being able to say we're independent. Our shit doesn't stink, and cashing that's immensely what large that's, checks. That's what I'm wondering. If if they're able to get the the, the checks the same size, but oh, they'll so be bigger. Story short, this also makes it easier for the Bearcats to make the playoff because we can you can get an at large bid. And that's that's what matters to me. Like I I know talking about the money is not that exciting to me. Like I'm not. It's, I know you're you're really good at it. I love hearing your thoughts on it. What matters to me though is. What does it look like from a competitive standpoint? From you can the, lose the Big 12. You can go to the Big 12 championship game, lose it, still get in the playoff under this format. Technically, you could. I would way say easier, you know, way easier than, than going to the AAC final championship. Of course. Losing that game, it's going to be way harder. Right. So we have put ourselves in position. A.D. Cunningham has helped put us in this position. Luke Fickle has helped put us in this position where we are legitimately in the college football playoff game we are competing for it every year we could enter the season and say this is a season where we could play our way into the college football playoff and no external forces can do jack shit to keep us from it no more shenanigans you know no more heather danich or whatever her name was you know doing everything in her power to be a microphone for bullshit none of it we don't have to worry about it anymore it's done Well, I'm pumped. Tell me, tell me going forward, we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up, but we're heading into a Kennesaw State game that we're not going to preview because it's Kennesaw State. But I am curious. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious, after watching the game against Arkansas, what are some things maybe you're looking forward to seeing more of 
And if you were going to play football coach, what, what would you add to the game plan? What would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? Just tell me, tell me your, your thoughts moving forward here for the team. It's going to sound counterintuitive, but don't, don't stop attacking downfield. Don't stop. Like make him, make Ben Bryant, make the throws. I mean, Ben Bryant has to be the one to execute on, on hitting them, but the guys are wide open against a, a pretty good Arkansas team. I'm confident they're going to be able to get open against the likes of Kennesaw state, Tennessee, Houston, like whoever, these guys are going to get open. Don't, don't stop attacking downfield. Yeah. They're not I, going to unload the trick, the bag of tricks against Kennesaw state. So we're not going to see the good stuff, but I, I meant to ask you this for someone watching on TV to me, the play calling from a sense of are the plays effective? I was I was blown away. It just seemed like guys were running open all over the field that everything we called basically worked. Maybe there was some times where you wouldn't have called a run or a pass, but Gino Gadulli, I thought I thought the plays that we were calling seemed to be effective. There seemed to be a little creativity, if you would. Um you know, also on the twitters.coms, I heard people describe a certain offensive coordinator at a certain school uh, in the South uh, with, with, you know, serving under, under a trader for the two schools now, uh, leaving before their, their big bowl games, you know, offensive coordinator Mike Den, Den, Denbrock running a very vanilla offensive play calling scheme at, at Louisiana. We saw the opposite of that. Uh, I thought the play calling was good. That's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of hesitant to say, what do I want to see more of? What do I want to see less of? Honestly, I kind of want to see them hit the same scheme. Right. And, you know, don't be afraid to take the ball, ball downfield. We know Ben Bryant can't run. So, you know, don't, don't do that. <laughs> um but I love seeing. I don't know. I don't know Corey Kiner if he's uh, able to be a catch, a, pa- a pass catching back as well. But I'm always a fan of pass catching running back schemes as well. So if there's anything more I'd like to see of, yes, give me give me some Alvin Kamara like Charles McClellan <laughs> catching the ball of the backfield with with a you know with some momentum and being able to get downfield. I love I love that stuff. But no, I thought it was good. Um, I think stylistically, offensively, there's no notes. I actually, they really did attack down the field. They were aggressive. We just need a better execution. You know, I can't better execution. Somehow get the offensive line to stop, to stop. Well, the penalties have to start. The the penalties have to stop. That has to stop. New offensive Uh, coordinator, new offensive line coach, same penalties. We, those have to stop. uh, Our defensive scheme Maybe, maybe Joe's right. Maybe we need to change it up a bit. <laughs> we gave up, we gave up a lot of rushing yards again. If <laughs> yeah, we still got beat up, I know. Um, and, and, and it hurt most on that final drive. You know, it's, we would have had very little time, but we didn't even get a shot because we couldn't stop them when they wanted to impose their will. And it was especially yeah. frustrating on the third and seven where we just let Jefferson take off and run for it. And that's, you know, that is the thing he wants to do. He wants to take off and run. Just don't let him do that one thing. Make him complete a pass. Just didn't do it. Yeah, so... I, I, I have one thing I want to see us add, but I know we're not going to add it until we're in their biggest games of the season. It could have been a nice wrinkle against Arkansas. If, if Prater's a true backup, 
but he is sort of this, you know, unicorn type athlete in terms of being able to pass while also being explosive. Can we incorporate him in some gadget plays? Can we create some fun, you know, creative packages where he's on the field um, in unique ways in the way that, you know, Antoine Randall L was used for the Steelers back in the day, or, you know, that you've seen Muhammad Sanu incorporated into offenses occasionally. This guy's got an arm. He can throw the ball, but he's also uniquely gifted from an athletic standpoint. Like, can we incorporate this, this talent into our offense in some way, shape or form? I still want to see it. I want to see something or running back. I'm not saying turn him into a receiver. I'm saying, let's let's get him on the field in some way, shape or form something. (laughs) Oh, Coomer's won some some gimmick some gimmicky Evan Prater. Let's do it. <laughs> I just want him on the field. If that if that's what it's going to take, give us something. It's year three. Give us if, something. The only other thing I want to see this weekend, I want to see, is it Co or Co Ryan Co Coy Co 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 C O E Ryan Co. If he misses a single field goal against Kennesaw State. I want us to go for it on fourth and relatively within scoring for the every single time, regardless of how how long the fourth. Fourth and 30 from the 30-yard line, let's go for it. Yeah, it's going to have to inform our decision-making. If you can't lean on your kicker, don't bother. Just go for it and be aggressive, especially if the offense continues to show flashes of being able to produce. Again, we have, we have a sample size right now of two halves. One of them was atrocious. Three kicks. One of them was explosive. And we have a sample size of three kicks. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, when you're evaluating our offense, because in my head, second half, I think, wow, this is an explosive offense that can really move the ball. But I also have the other side of the coin that was this offense can't really do much of anything because our quarterback isn't accurate. Well, lots, lots of stuff that they can work on. You know, good thing they have practice, right? Yeah. Good thing they've been doing it all year. Um, so there's going to be plenty of opportunities for lots of wins this season. And I think that when, because we're in the American athletic, because our next uh, big opponent is Indiana in Cincinnati, like, I think we're going to get a lot of wins and they're all going to be there for us for the taking, but you're going to have to see more consistent execution on the field. Point blank, full stop. I mean, let's say it's the most difficult games on this schedule right now are at UCF and East Carolina, because East Carolina always somehow manages to make us clinch our buttholes. Come on, man. Don't put that respect on their name. They haven't earned it. No, it's just what they do. It's just what they do to us. Just what they do. Um, I so, love the, no. look, the immense disrespect for the Big Ten by skipping past their opponent and just saying, you know, our toughest opponents left are the American Athletic Conference, not the Big, Big Ten opponent coming to Cincy. No, I, I do not give, I'm not giving Indiana any respect. Okay. I, love I don't it. know why. I'm just not going to. You beat uh, Illinois. Congratulations. <laughs> Here's a cookie. <laughs> All right, Hubbard. We'll talk soon. Have a good one, buddy. Later. Cheers.